Revelations chapter 5 and verse number 11. If you're there, say amen. And I beheld and heard the voice of many angels round about the throne. And the beast and the elders, the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain. To receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them. He said, I heard them say, blessing. And honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. I would like to visit the twelfth verse one more time tonight where we'll draw our text. Saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. They were saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb. Tonight, I don't have a good deep title for you. I don't have something that's going to make you tap your temple on your forehead and say, wonder what that means. I'm going to just come out and give you my message in the title. Are you, are you ready tonight? I'm going to preach this to you. Somebody ought to shout. Somebody ought to shout. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Now what I'm getting ready to tell you, if you know me at all, you know that this is not this is not an attack against the old songs because I like them and don't tell anybody at all, but I probably like them way better than anything new we sing. But I was raised on songs that said, won't we have a time when we get over yonder? Won't we have a time when we get over yonder? We sing the other chorus of that said, we'll sing and shout and dance about. When we get over yonder, and I've, I've sang, man, I love singing it. It's powerful. It's good stuff. I love it. But what's so funny to me is to watch people sing, won't we have a time when we get over yonder, and they refuse to have one right now. Now, I'm not saying they're lying now, but I'm just saying I have a hard time believing that somebody's going to sing, shout, and dance about when they get over yonder if they're not going to sing and shout and dance about down here. I'm telling you tonight, you've got to learn to get the victory down here before you'll live in victory up there. You've got to learn to be an overcomer right now if you're going to be an overcomer there. Oh, yes, John said, I saw him 
accuser by the blood of the lamb and the word of the testimony. That means they didn't overcome in heaven. They overcame in the earth. Hallelujah. So I plan on having a good time. I've tried to imagine what it's going to be like. I heard a guy one time at a concert when I was a kid. He was trying to describe his first morning in heaven, what it was going to be like. And he said, I can only imagine stepping out on my front porch first thing in the morning in heaven. He started describing stepping out there in his pajamas and sipping a cup of coffee. He said, eating on that heavenly Pop-Tart. And the dude kind of messed with my vision of heaven a little bit, you know. Because he got to talking about it like it was early in the morning, scratching his head. And I got this picture of his hair messed up and his old plaid pajamas, you know, wrinkled up shirt. And him standing up there chewing on a Pop-Tart. Which, by the way, me and Ivy are still having a discussion of whether or not Pop-Tarts ought to be toasted or not. And if you're in the will of God, they will be. Come on now. I, she's on that camera tonight. I can say it. Praise God. She said, have you ever tried one not toasted? I said, yeah, they're good and chalky and dry. Praise God. It'll help you a little bit. Run over and drop in the toaster for just a second. It'll help a man out. But this guy, I could tell you his name tonight, but I won't do it because uh, I, I remember very clearly. He got there talking about, I'm going to wake up and take a stroll down Hallelujah Avenue. Went through all this stuff, and I'm like... Man, I was kind of looking forward to never having to lay down because there will never be a night. I, I was kind of looking forward to the fact that I'm not going to need rest because I've crossed old Chili Jordan and I've laid down all my struggles and I've laid down all my problems and I've laid down all my trials. Now, I know what it feels like on Sunday night. And just be honest with you, if I could be real transparent... 95% of Sunday nights for pastor, when I get home, I fall in the bed. I'm wore out after Sunday morning, Sunday night. I love going to camp meeting, conference, dancing, shouting. Must go home, my shoes sound like they got water in them. I've been preaching, my socks are wet, my tie knot's wet. That's when you know you've had good church, but I'm weary when it's over. Can you imagine being able to dance and shout and run and leap and testify and you never get weary? Can, oh, God, can you imagine in the presence of the Lord and you never get weary? I know what it feels like to be weary and step up and Preach the word while you're weary and while you're preaching. It's like that unction just rests on you. You feel the Holy Ghost. And I know what it feels like to be tired in your body. But when you start just kind of moving your feet a little bit, clapping your hands, it's like that weariness seems to go away. I'm telling you in this house tonight for somebody that's tired and you're weary and you're trying to figure out what to do, I've got a good answer for you. Somebody ought to shout. Good to see you, Bishop, a preaching machine. I'm going to throw you the mic and let you finish this in a minute. Now, I can't wait to get there. I'm glad what John saw. I can't wait to see it. But there's something in this text that grabbed my attention today. And I want to help somebody inserted within the context. Tucked away is a treasure 
in this scene. It's a small phrase that if you just hurriedly read across it, perhaps you're going to miss it. I tell you often to slow down and take the time when you're reading the Word of God and be sure that your mind is calculating what you saw. But I believe that the significance of what's in this writing, as minute and as it seems of a detail, that it's enormous uh, and profound in its significance. I believe it with all of my heart. John, the revelator, the visionary, was said to have seen a crowd of people that was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands upon thousands. But these people that he saw were not just seated around the throne. They were in action. There was something that was going on. We dance and shout about the vision that he saw. But when John saw the thousands upon thousands and hundreds of thousands of people and perhaps millions of people, they were in unison with the four living creatures and the 24 elders and the millions of saints were saying in a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. John said, when I saw the church in heaven, they were shouting with a loud voice. They were saying, worthy is the Lamb. Can I tell you right now that when we get to heaven, if you're expecting surreal, if you're expecting serene, if you're expecting to just kick back by the river of life, you've got the wrong picture. Because when you walk into that throne room, you're going to shout. You're going to testify. You're going to give him praise. Somebody said, I can't wait to see my mansion. I'm going to dance in front of my mansion. I can't wait to see so-and-so. I'm telling you, just take me to Jesus. I want to go to the throne room. I want to dance in his house. I want to run on a street of gold. You can be seated, stand up whenever you want to. Now this small phrase that I want to point out to you tonight if I can. The scripture said that John saw them and they were busy. They were saying something. He took the verb saying that they were shouting something, but he added to this expression that they were not just saying it, they were saying it with a loud voice. <laughs> Woo! I'm going to try to stay right here in my skin for just a minute, but I want to preach to somebody. Now, the way John saw this, it describes the intensity of the offering and the expression of worship. That this number, which almost couldn't be numbered. He said, I don't even know how to add this up. 
But it gives us a picture into the intensity of the offering that they're bringing unto the Lord. It not only reveals that they use their voices and instruments to project and shower praise on the one who redeemed us. The lamb worthy is a lamb. But John modifies it, the noun voice, with a powerful adjective. He said it is a loud voice. Now this is crazy to me. I like looking at original text and context of a scripture, but this is, this is pretty amazing to me. Because I don't know if John fully knew how this would minister to me or not in the 21st century, but it's powerful because John didn't say that they were doing this with a low voice and just kind of showing honor. You know, when you walk into the presence of a king, you're supposed to just kind of chill out until he tells you. But I'm just saying right now, when he says, come on higher, that's your permission to just dance and shout and do whatever you want to do in the presence of God. But he didn't say it was with a low voice, low intensity, just kind of chillaxing a little bit, kicking back. But the Greek word, if you've, got, if you've got your strongs, you can find this. When it said that they were with a loud voice under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, John was writing this, if you look at the strongs number, when he said that it was a loud voice, the word loud is megas, M-E-G-A-S. This is where you and I get the word mega. It's like anything that's big, the big mega structures that we see. It's where we get the word mega from. It means that it's large, fantastically huge. And... The only way that John could describe what he saw is he said these people, it was a big number, but they were giving big praise. He said it was gigantic praise. It was massive praise. He said it was a mega praise, if you would. This was the real mega church. This isn't the coffee-sipping megachurch. This is the Holy Ghost-filled megachurch. This is the church that the enemy tried to quiet you down when he got you depressed. He tried to steal your song during a pandemic. He tried to shut you up while the world was in chaos. But John said, I saw them, and they were still giving God a big praise. So you got you to kind of stay with me here now. Because what's happening... Is the voice that the angels, the four and twenty elders, the four living creatures used to praise God was a massive praise. Tell your neighbor tonight, it's not a mini praise. Oh no. See, it's kind of like the difference in playing golf at Pebble Beach 
and going over there and playing mini golf at putt-putt at Payless. You're, it's still fun, but you're not impressed anymore at the putt-putt course when you've seen Pebble Beach. Yeah. And so, when you first come to the Lord, you may have been born into a movement where if somebody tapped their foot, you, that was the only way you knew they weren't dead. My dad used to get going on Sunday preaching, and he'd stop and kind of give it the old chicken jerk, you know. And he'd say, well, you can at least give me an old Baptist nod. So sometimes you just get the old Baptist nod to know that they're still breathing. Sometimes you go into churches, and I've been there, and they've called me to come in and preach revival, and I realized they didn't want revival. They wanted resurrection. Instead of bringing my Bible to, to preach, I'd been better off to bring a mirror and stick it under their nose just to make sure they were breathing. Come on, somebody. But there's something about it. There may be a season in your life that you can settle and be satisfied to just, okay, that's all right. But if you ever get moved into a Sunday night where the Holy Ghost just gets to move and just right, you can deny it all you want to and say, I'm not an emotional person. <laughs> you can say, I'll never run like that. I'll never dance like that. You wouldn't catch me dead screaming like that. There ain't no way in this world that I'd ever get my tie crooked like that. My hair's too pretty. You better watch out what you're saying, baby. Because I'm going to tell you right now, when the Holy Ghost gets to moving, something's going to start shaking in you. And before you know it, you're going to do more than just tap your foot. You're going to start moving a little bit. And you're going to feel something tugging on you down deep inside. And something's going to say, get on out of that seat right now. You're going to step out into the aisle. Now you've come too far. You're at the point of no return. While you're there, you might as well give him a praise. Somebody ought to shout. Hallelujah. Now, stay with me. I'm going to try to paint you a word picture if I can. They say a picture is worth a thousand words, but it's probably going to take me more than a thousand words to paint the picture. The voice of this illustrious multitude was not that murmuring of a babbling brook. It didn't sound like it did when David got down on his knees and picked out five smooth stones out of the little brook of water there. It wasn't like even going down to Falls Park. We're big time here. Go down to Falls Park after a good rain. I've seen Falls Park where it's running over the bridge. Now that's when you know we've had a wet season. It's running over the bridge. Get out there, and it's, it's pretty powerful. It looks kind of neat. But Sister Carol, I stood down in the canyon in Colorado. Saw that beautiful river coming down through there. And thinking to myself, I can't imagine trying to swim across that. 
those rapids, they're, 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 they're unbelievable. Now, I can't imagine putting my tent right there, putting me a little campfire. Just, I, I can imagine that. But John said this, this was different even than that. He said this was not something you just want to relax by, some little quiet river. He said, as a matter of fact, the voice of the great multitude was as the voice of many waters. As the voice, listen to this now, of mighty thundering. Don't you think about this. The voice of many waters. It's a thundering boom. And that loud voice was saying, Hallelujah. Salvation and glory and honor and power. There was nobody in a loud voice saying, Lord, you got to help me make it through. Are you hearing what I'm preaching to you right now? I'm trying to take you somewhere. There was nobody saying, oh God, what are we going to do? There was nobody saying, Lord, save my family. There was nobody saying, Lord, reach my lost loved ones. There was nobody saying with a loud voice, heal my body. Because everybody has been healed. There was nobody saying, heal my heart. Because every heart, God have mercy. What I'm saying to you is if you've made it to this party, you've made it, baby. Your trials are over. some numbers for you. I don't know if you guys like numbers. You know I do sometimes. Hated them when I was in school, but I like them pretty good now. So it said, I don't know how many of you have been there, but it said that you go to Niagara Falls, that it measures approximately 85 decibels. Now, I've been a musician all my life. Played at a lot of loud conferences, so that's probably why I say, huh, a lot. When people say, hey, Pastor, I say, huh? I told my girls at the table the other day, she's like, Dad. And Brother Michael, I looked across the table, I put my fork down, I said, y'all are making me wonder if I can hear anymore. You girls sit across the table and mumble. And then you want an answer. And my wife said, no. They were definitely mumbling. So I don't know if she was trying to make me feel better. Were they really? Huh? <laughs> she said, we're both deaf. Now, honey, I can testify that you are. She still loves me. Let's say Niagara Falls is 85 decibels. Anybody in here ever grab a jackhammer and run it? I know Brother Sawyer has. That's one good way we could get him to dance right there, Brother Sawyer. (laughs) 
I feel it coming on now. Jackhammer Sunday. Where the choir don't even have to sing. That's when we're going to begin our expansion project. You're going to dance whether you want to or not. We need to get somebody that's real good at running it and somebody that's real good at pointing it at people's toes. The sound of a jackhammer, if you've ever ran it on concrete, is approximately 90 decibels. It's pretty loud. An apostolic Sunday night's about 478 decibels. Not really. They say 120 decibels is where it gets ear piercing. But John said it was the sound of many waters. It was pushing the threshold of pain. But it won't matter there anymore because it won't hurt your ears. <laughs> I asked my Uncle Mike one time, I said, why'd you stop coming to youth conference? He said, because if they'll turn it up just a little bit, I can hear it all the way out here in Carlsbad. <laughs> he said, the last time I left that conference, my ears were bleeding. But it won't matter then. Because there won't be anybody. Say, Pastor, I'm older, I'm weak, I'm tired, I'm feeble, I can't shout like I used to. Just wait. Because there won't be anybody that can outshout you on that day. <laughs> I don't know what it's going to look like. John tried to describe it. But there's going to be more people than you can imagine. And every one of them is going to have one thing on their mind. Blessing and honor and glory and power. Greek New Testament said that the entire multitude, the whole multitude, at the same time began to rejoice and praise God with the loudest mega voice that you could imagine. Now we did a little bit of that project the other night and I was really trying to get you engaged a little bit when we did the holy, holy, holy over here in the Worthy thing over here, we got it moving a little bit. It felt pretty good by the time we got over here to the last section. But if I could just be honest with you folks, sometimes I know the worship team can tell you and whatever, but sometimes you know when people get tired because you're pulling hard. You've heard me say it before while I'm preaching, it kind of feels like you're pulling a freight train. You're up there leading worship and you're trying to sing and the drummer can't beat them any harder. Bless your little hearts, they get blisters on their fingers. Bass player gets his fingers all split and Brother Jordan's wrists get froze up on him. That's how we know we've had good church when Brother Jordan's hand frees up. I said, man, that was some good playing the other night. He said, man, my hand froze up. I said, hallelujah, that was apostolic. <laughs> I want you to imagine this though. There's not going to be anybody standing behind the lectern of heaven saying, come on. <laughs> How many times did we do it 
Sometimes you just get the pump prime just a little bit and we'll say, come on, somebody. I'll stand up and give him praise. They'll sit right back down. I love that. I love it. Now, call me mean. But I love watching people just as they sit down. I'm like, would you just remain standing? <laughs> Looks like a bad leg day. I love it. But sometimes it gets a little weary when you're up there on the platform and you're pulling and you're grinding. Oh, God. It's kind of like the Wednesday night of camp meeting. It's that hump that you got to cross over. Everybody waiting on Friday night of camp. But you got to preach Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday to get to Friday. And by Friday, you're praying for a shout down. My wife and I preached at camp meeting one time in Oklahoma. They had eight altar calls before they called me up to preach. They had like four or five worship services. I'm thinking, dear God, why'd you call me here? You get up there and preach and you're tired. Now, come on, somebody stand up and give him praise. Come on, somebody stand up. But John said nothing about a cheerleader. Anybody? Not a soul. Jesus was not standing at the throne saying, come on, worship me a little bit. Come on, just pour your heart out just a little bit. Love me just a little bit. I'm going to tell you why. This is a powerful principle you can't afford to lose. Several years ago, I was shut up in the office here at the church on extended fast. I left my family at home, and I just came to the church and shut myself up in the office with a couple gallons of water. And I was praying to the Lord, and I said, Lord, why don't you just reveal your glory to the whole earth? When the glory of God is revealed, everything bows. When the glory of God comes, that's where miracles, signs, and wonders happen. I said, Lord, just reveal your glory to the whole earth. And it was like I heard the Lord crystal clear. I'd been praying for a couple of days, and the Lord spoke to me. He said, I can't do that yet because everything bows at my presence. I'm like, yeah, that's what we want. And he said, no, son, you don't understand if I openly reveal my glory, they have to bow. But right now, they have a choice. John said, when you get there, you're not going to have any option. It's just going to flow from you. But the reason I'm preaching in this house tonight, that somebody ought to shout, is because right now, it's a choice I make. Once I've crossed over to the other side, it won't cost me anything because I've already paid the price. But right now, i got to bring him a sacrifice of praise. And when I'm weary in my mind and I'm weary in my body and I'm weary from the fight and I'm weary from the fray, it just makes me feel better when I throw my head back and shout hallelujah. I've come tonight to encourage the quiet crowd. I've come to reach for those tonight that are a little bit just inside. You know, I'm not really emotional. I'm reaching for somebody tonight to tell you and all the mummified murmurers, it's time to lift our voice and give praise to our great God. There is nobody like him. There is none beside him. There is none above him. He is the mighty God and the everlasting father and the prince of peace.
I've come tonight. I have come tonight to attack the arguments of the passive pack. This says it don't take all of that. You know what? It may not take all that for you. But every now and then I've just got to tell him how grateful I am that I'm not still in the mess that I should have still been in. But he brought me out of a terrible pit. i got to take some time to testify of the goodness of the Lord. Several years ago, I preached a little history lesson to this church. And I felt like this was a good time to talk to you about this again because we can get the story, we can get the scriptural reference from the same scripture that I read tonight. Every now and then you got to give a little history. It's kind of interesting of how, if you go back and look, although there were uh, different empires that conquered. As major world powers at one time, it's amazing how much influence each empire kind of had on the next. That the people they would conquer would even leave behind some residue of who they were. And the Greeks really, honestly, had some of the most powerful impressions that were left on history. But they said that in Roman times... When actors in the theaters would be stepping out to do their part on the stage, that they never did, you could never identify the actor by their face because they all wore masks. And no, they weren't like the ones we wear now. They all wore masks. And they said that. Every single one of those masks, they were made out of like wood or whatever. And Bishop, they said that the history accounted that when the actors would step out, where the mouth of the mask was, it started right at their mouth and it came out in like a big cone. And it was a personal amplification system before they had microphones. That those actors would step out onto the stage and it would form their own little megaphone, if you would. They would all stand there and preach or do whatever they were proclaiming. And so I thought it very interesting, and I don't know, again, if you've got any way of searching out stuff in the Greek, but what's amazing If you look at this scripture that I read to you tonight, this blew my mind. It said, with a loud voice. And I told you the word loud is megas. But the next thing you need to know is that the word voice is phonos. John said, with a megaphone. you ought to think about this I don't know how many of you ever screamed into a megaphone but it's a game changer he said with a megaphone with a megaphonus he said they began to proclaim unto the lamb he said it was like it was beyond what they could do on their own 
it was like something supernatural took over them. And John began to compare it in a time, which is probably 90, 95, somewhere in there. In a time when the culture had actors on stages that were acting out plays with megaphones on their face. And John said, there may be some people out there right now while I'm on Patmos that are just acting their way through this. He said, but the number that I saw, there was no acting going on. He said, it was like they had their own megaphone, but they weren't acting for the applause of men. They were shouting glory and praise and honoring glory to God. And it wasn't so that men would clap for them and applaud for them. He said they were doing it for the audience of one. It was the lamb that was... He's saying, Pastor, I'm saying to you, that when we see the one who is all together lovely, he's all together worthy. There's none like him in the heavens or the earth. Scripture said there's none like him beneath the earth. He said, even the creatures that were in the sea beneath the earth began to lift up their voice and join in the chorus. Worthy. (laughs) Worthy is the Lamb. Church, listen to what I'm telling you right now. This is a party that you don't want to miss. It's a party that you don't want to be late for. It's a meeting that you don't want to miss out on. If you tonight will get it in your spirit... That it's going to be worth whatever it costs you to make it. I promise you, if you learn to lift your voice down here, you're not going to have any problem lifting your voice up there. Thou art worthy. Now that's going to be wonderful. I'm, I'm, I'm getting somewhere. That's going to be wonderful when we get there because we're not going to have any choice. You understand what I'm saying? I want to take you to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse number 19. It's a familiar story of Jehoshaphat. Their backs were against the wall. But 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 19 said that Jehoshaphat bowed his face to the ground and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord then some Levites from the Kohathites and the Korathites stood up and they praised the Lord God of Israel with a sometimes when you're facing your enemy The best thing you can do is to not sit around and worry about everything that God stripped away from you, Jehoshaphat. Don't you sit around and mope around and suck your thumb about all the men that God stripped away from you. You're walking into a battle right now thinking you're underprepared. Thinking there's no way you can do this. With man it may be impossible. But with God all things are possible. 
And Jehoshaphat said, I may not have as many men as I wanted to have, but if all the men that are with me are willing to raise their voice and shout, Verse 20, early in the morning, they went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and so shall ye be established. Believe his prophets, and so shall you prosper. Verse 21. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord that they should praise the beauty of holiness. And as they went out before the army to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. Look at verse 22. And as they began to sing And to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. Jehoshaphat, the reason I had to strip you of some things was to see if you could still shout when you felt like the odds were against you. I wanted to see if you could still shout when all hope was gone. He said, I found me a shouter. And where I know there's praise, I will set an ambushment against the enemy. What you've got to realize tonight, child of God, is that when you lift your voice and shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph, you don't do it because you feel like you're winning. You do it because you know where the victory You know where the victory comes from. Verse 23. The children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir utterly to slay and destroy them. And when they had made an end, the inhabitants of Seir, everyone helped to destroy another. I don't know if you're picking up what he's putting down yet. Verse 23, verse 24. And the men of Judah came toward the watchtower in the wilderness. They looked unto the multitude and behold, oh God, this is so awesome. I know we got some folks that are worried about how all this is going to end up. He said, but as the men of Judah, we all know what Judah is, right? It's praise. It's for the shouters. When they came, they looked unto the multitude and behold, There were dead bodies all over the ground and not one of them had escaped. Verse 25, so Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil of them. They found among them in abundance both riches, Lord Jesus, with the dead bodies and precious jewels, 
which they stripped off for themselves. Oh, my God. Land in the Bible said it was more than they could carry. <laughs> it was more than they could carry away. And Bishop, they were three days. All they did was shout. And they did not even know what was on the other side of the shout. But the Lord said, because you were willing to rebo Because when you were willing to shout, when it looked like the battle was over before it ever got started. You weren't praising me because you had the victory. You were praising me because it was the only option you had. They walked into that thing with a praise on their lips and a song in their heart. And for the next three days, they gathered more spoil than they could carry out. I've come looking for a praiser tonight. There's a blessing on the other side. Somebody ought to shout. hurry verse 26 on the fourth day they assembled themselves in the valley of Baraka for there they blessed the Lord therefore the name of the same place was called the valley of Baraka unto this day. Verse 27. Then they returned every man of Judah and Jerusalem. And Jehoshaphat out in front of them. To go again to Jerusalem with joy. Oh I love this. For the Lord. Had made them. Rejoice. Let me paint you a picture with this right here. I hate using all you guys all the time. You three ugly boys right there on the second row, come up here. <laughs> Y'all come up here and just lay down right here. I'm, I promise I won't hurt nobody. Just lay down right here. Just lay down. There you go. You lay right here this way. Where? Yeah, like this right here. Come on over here. This way, right here. One, two, uh, three. There you go. There you go. Come on in. Is it this hard to get them in bed every night? All right, y'all, y'all lay down. Okay, I want 50 setups right now. Just joking. Hayden's like, I got that. I promise I won't hurt y'all. Please don't raise your leg. Don't kick me. Don't do it. I want you to notice the language of this. If you just read it, you're going to miss it. Because the Lord made them rejoice over their enemies. My enemies, my praise. Are you? Has anybody figured out where my enemies are yet? <laughs> <laughs> 
because I praised him coming in. He's going to let me praise over my enemies on the way out. I've come to tell every spirit of hell that's trying to stop your worship, there's a reason why. Because if you praise him coming in, you're going to be able to praise him coming out over your enemy. Thank you, guys. Thank you. He said those feet were dancing before there was ever an enemy under your foot. He said the dance coming in was just practice for the dance going out. That's why I'm saying somebody ought to shout tonight. We're all going to shout when we get over yonder. But if we can shout coming in, we're going to shout going out. <laughs> 